Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia, and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi, Mila. Hello. Today's episode is episode 37, The Sorcerer's Shadow and Stones. That's a crass title, I understand, but (laughs) he's got a pair. (laughs) You know. The synopsis for this episode is, as Camelot's famed tournament gets underway, the city fills with warriors who are joined by a young man with a secret weapon to help him win. Magic. Not so secret anymore. You just told us. Also, not warriors. But yes, you know, that's a lot of the problem with this. I'm with Merlin. Like, who are these people? This episode is, it's fascinating because... It's kind of like a weird story structure where there's an A story and a B story. And the B story is our usual A story. Meaning the A story is Gilly comes and fights in the tournament and he's using magic. And Merlin has to deal with that and face some internal questions about magic and how it's used. B story is Morgana's trying to kill it with her. (laughs) I mean, can I hate her anymore than I already do? Maybe I can. I probably can. You probably can. Uh, oh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's fascinating because sometimes it can feel a little empty on both sides, that story, because they don't ever really mesh up together. I mean, they're both happening because of the tournament, but there's a little bit of two halves of two episodes happening. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little bit disconnected. Right. Obviously, everything is happening together at the same time. But I agree that the stories, does the storylines here can feel a little bit disconnected. Yeah, I mean, it happens. But what's really fascinating is when you watch the deleted scenes. Because there are like three solid scenes that are cut, that are Morgana basically doing her thing. Of the deleted scenes, there's one little one with Arthur and Uther in a tent getting real quippy about the tournament. That's fine, whatever, you can lose that and nothing happens. But... Yeah, there's a lot that was cut of Morgana driving this forward. So if they had left that in, that would have been the A story, right? And it's actually, if you're going to cut anything, you can cut this because we know Morgana, we know Uther, we know Arthur. We don't need character development. We don't need to know that, you know, they cut Gwen's only scene, basically. (laughs) I know. Poor thing. She's in it for like 20 seconds. She and Morgana were in Morgana's room. Morgana was looking through a magic window at the courtyard. And Gwen expresses, someone's got to stop Arthur. And you can see Morgana doing a little bit of evil planning where she's like, oh, what happens if they both die? Oh, no. And Gwen's like, someone should really talk to Arthur. Morgana says, I'll go talk to Arthur and walks away. And Gwen just gives this like, this is not good look. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, hello, Gwen, you know who this person is right now. Why are you giving her ideas? What do you expect her to do? It's like, no, I'm just going to sit here and not do anything about this. She's like, no, no, no. I'll go talk to him. I'll figure this one out. Well, she set the plan in motion. Gwen doesn't know that she wasn't at that meal. But Morgana goes then, another deleted scene, and talks to Arthur and gives him the opposite advice. I think this might have been good to leave in. Because it makes Arthur's choice of who to listen to more important. That is true. She tells Arthur, you can't let Uther win. What will the people think? You lead the army. They have to look up to you. So it makes it even more poignant at the end. He takes Merlin's advice. But yeah, it's it's interesting that they cut so much Morgana scheming. Because you don't necessarily need it, but it does make it a little... It feels like that storyline's a little short. Yes, it does. I agree. But I'm not sure... Because at the end of this episode, jumping all the way ahead to then come back behind, the end of the episode, I kind of feel like Gilly's going to come back. And that's why that's the A story. And Merlin made a friend that he trusts, that understood that magic has to be used for good, that understood everything that Merlin was hoping that he would to not die at the end. And I think that's why they took it out to really be so this would really be our a story also because it's not super hit you over the head obvious it's really a story about merlin it's merlin coming to like some very important conclusions on his own merlin even goes to your fave and gets told like you got to figure this one out kid i was not expecting this i'm so 
happy. He comes, he delivers like four amazing lines and fly away. If anything, to me, this is a very important episode for Merlin. This is a character development episode for Merlin. And actually, even though it's cut short, a very important moment for Arthur happens in this episode. So it's our two main characters really all of a sudden. It's like a real step up right before the season finale, because as I told you, it's a two-parter. So we're going into the season finale next. So the decision was basically to really drive forward how much Merlin and Arthur have grown up right right before the ending of the, the season. I totally agree. I have such a problem with how they planned this tournament. <laughs> let's get let's get into it. Okay. So our story I don't blame you, okay? You know I'm going to have problems too. You think like these notes are not anything but problems with the, <laughs> the logistics of planning this thing? I'm like as a soccer fan, this was poorly planned. As two people who've grown up and are from countries that take the World Cup very seriously and have had it happen in their hometowns because my hometown's hosted. Yeah, mine too. Let's just... Well, Harry Melling is here. He's in everything. I realized at the end of the last episode what you know him from, and it's Old Guard, right? And Harry Potter, obviously. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Harry Potter. I forgot. He's in everything. He's in everything. And it's funny because I was talking to my sister just this weekend, and she goes, remember that guy from Old Guard? He's in everything now. And I'm like, yes, I know that. I'm watching things from the past, and he's in everything. Poor guy. Guys, it's Harry. Let's all remember that it's Harry. (laughs) This sweet looking young guy is walking down the road and gets attacked by two bandits. It's pretty standard stuff for the Camelot Woods, let's be honest. They're overrun with bandits. They have a real problem. What is Arthur's purpose here for the knights? Hello, who's protecting the roads? I mean... They can't even keep the castle safe. You can't imagine the woods far away where nobody looks at. It's a good setup because we get the exposition. We get the line of like, I'm going to a tournament. If you didn't see the preview last week, you know what the episode's about. They steal a sword, but he has his magic ring and we get the magic reveal. So magical person going to compete in a tournament in Camelot. We know the stakes already because how could we not? We got to hate the bad guys. They're such jerks. They're so mean. They are so mean. They're terrible. This was a great opening scene that gives you all the information that you need right away. Yeah. I I love it. I love it. I'm like, great. Let's do it. It was a very compact intro to what's happening in the episode and who are the guests, who are the outside people coming into Camelot that we're going to follow. Very well done. Perfectly written. In the courtyard, Merlin is us. He's just full on bitchy Merlin pointing out all the problems with this shitty tournament. (laughs) He goes, um, oh, why, why are we doing this again? Explain, explain it. Yeah, this is the, this is, and I gotta give praise to Bradley James. It is not easy to deliver a line like the only rules is there are no rules line and sound believable like you're not a cartoon, right? It's such a cheesy line and it's not supposed to be delivered in a cheesy way. It's not like you're making fun. You're actually being being serious. There are no rules. And you have to tell the other person that. Like, for real, this is what it is. It's not easy. It's not because this show does play cheeky a lot of the time. And Bradley plays cheeky a lot of the time. And this time he really just straight delivered it. And it is not. I mean, it seems easy, but it isn't. <laughs> it's not. Because I want to laugh when he says that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> if it was me saying, I would have laughed for sure. You know, at some point when they weren't recording or just for fun, he was like, there are no rules. <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent. The bandits are there, you know, Nolar and his friend. What could go wrong, right? Everything. We know. Merlin's worried. We're worried. We're like, this is going to go terribly. <laughs> yes, Merlin's like, yep, for sure. Nothing to worry about. It's going to be all good. Already things are always so good here when just one person shows up to Camelot. I'm sure if we just invite half the kingdom to come here for a prize to like beat you to death it'll go great what could go wrong great we see the inn the innkeeper by the way okay he's organized (laughs) he's got his shit together he sees this kid and he's like i want you to pay me up front because you're gonna die (laughs) and then i'm not gonna get paid thank you very much this is like the best organized part of the whole whole affair is the inn because he's housing god knows how many people there's extra beds everywhere 
I love it. We cut to the armory. I'm so, this is one of my most frustrating moments of the whole episode because, first of all, I usually praise set decks so much in this show. This time I'm like, guys, that's obviously Arthur's room. <laughs> it is. Unfortunately, it's very obvious that he's sitting by the door. They didn't even like change the angle of where they usually shoot from. So it felt like he was sitting in Arthur's room working on armor. Yeah. Except there was extra armor around. <laughs> yes. I got very confused because at first it's a tight shot of just him working. And then he goes, <laughs> when he goes wide, I was like, wait a minute. This is not where I, saw, where I thought that you were. That's the fireplace in Arthur's room. Wait, what? And they've done it before with this room. So I'm just like, they didn't put enough stuff. The important part was to change the angle you shoot in probably because it's the same shot we get of him at the table in Arthur's room. <laughs> yes. And also you could have just filled the set with more things to cover. For example, cover the fireplace or... Like a tapestry. Yes. Yes, exactly. Look, we, we've we spent, I don't know, 36 episodes praising Set Deck for being perfect in this show. This is their first time where I'm like, guys... <laughs> It's okay. Like, why are there people in Arthur's room? And I was like, oh, wait, it's not Arthur's room. Right. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, you just roam around in the castle going to the prince's room? I'm like, no, it's not the prince. It's not supposed to be the prince's room. This is where my frustration starts with the overall, like, security of these people came for the tournament, all right? They're not knights. They shouldn't be walking around the castle. Their swords should be set up outside somewhere. Okay, let's talk about logistics. These people should not be in the castle. Make a tent! Build a tent outside. Yeah, why are they allowed access to the castle? Also, these are like the same guys in any episode that Arthur would run through with a sword in the woods because they're bandits. So them being in the castle seems, I don't know, inappropriate. Even Gilly, there is a point where he goes in the in the armory room by himself to like put the sword back and there's other people coming in and out. You don't get access like this. This is so bizarre. Also, you don't get to use castle servants just because you're in the tournament. How does that make any sense? Okay, so I want to make something clear about this scene. I'm kind of disappointed in Merlin because he's always erring on the side of like, just keep your head down. Fight these guys. Okay, not really, though. I just wanted him to walk away because let's be honest, on the scale of society, these are thugs from the woods who steal from people, they're thieves and outlaws, and he's Prince Arthur's servant. On the scale of society, he's higher up. Don't tell him what to do. I was like, Merlin, don't you dare clean his boots. Don't do it. Also, you're alone in a room. Just use magic, and I don't know. I was really annoyed. I was really annoyed, first of all, because I was like, why are these guys inside the castle? And why are they demanding servant service from people who work in the castle? Even worse, Arthur's servant. No? I know that's the point of this scene is for Gilly and Merlin to meet, but I wanted Arthur to walk in and be like, uh, no. I thought that that was what was going to happen, but, well, then I understood. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the point of this scene. But yes, it is annoying. Super frustrating. Very. On so many levels. I'm just like, no, no. But Gilly does fight them. And I don't. I get the feeling that Merlin doesn't see the magic. I get the feeling that he doesn't see it, the actual magic happening, but he can sense that there's something. Mm. I think he suspects at this point. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, we don't have to be sure. I just was like, I don't think he really got it because he gets suspicious later. Yes, that's true. Well, anyway, one of the best running jokes of the show. He's trying to introduce himself to Gilly, and all you hear is Bradley James's voice, like, shouting through the castle. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. I really wonder if they had him on set screaming off camera. Oh my god, I really hope so. I really, really do hope that he was actually there yelling. I just love that he's like, I'm Merlin, and in the background's like, Merlin! <laughs> so, at the family dinner, which is so frustrating you see my eyes squinting right now yes you're so angry i'm honestly i can't take morgana's manipulations oh it's too bad you can't fight uther is so weak-minded we know that because of who he is <laughs> but the character of uther is written 
in this weak-minded fashion that he's that easy to manipulate. Oh, the people, it's a shame the people can't see their king win anymore. Ugh, shut up. <laughs> it is so aggravating. It's so aggravating because she's so extra nice. Way more than she was before when she wasn't evil. She was never like this, but now she's extra nice. She compliments you more. She likes you more. She like hold arms, hands with like Uther and it is, I can't watch it. Yeah, she's like the doting daughter. It's really annoying. And my whole feeling this entire scene is, can someone please tell Arthur, please? My notes are, ugh, here's Morgana sucking up to Uther again. Okay. No, no. At least, at least we get this like break from everything with, you know, any scene with Arthur and Merlin always works as like a break from tension or evil plotting. It's kind of why we're here. <laughs> it's why I'm here, to be honest. These scenes are why I'm here. Yes, I agree. Or anything Gaia's related or dragon related. Those are the things that I'm here for. I just love this dynamic that works so well because... It's also shifted a lot from the way it used to be in season one in the sense of like when he was dressing him, not because he knows what he's doing, but because they're much more comfortable with each other. More natural. Right. And everything just feels so familiar that I just believe this is a conversation between two people. Yes. And they, and you do. You make conversation while you're doing other things. You don't just sit there with your friend or do whatever you're doing without saying anything. So I believe that they would talk while this is all happening. Yes, it's also a very well-planned out scene. The action really works because yes. they're so used to this now also as actors that, you know, dressing him for battle is a probably easy thing for both of them to do. But I like that it's not the same tone we always get from the two of them when they're bickering. It's very low-key bickering, which the point where... Bradley delivers it really gently, where it's like, Merlin, yes, shut up. It's like, we're not going to get into this, but, you know, we're still getting into this. It's fantastic when the tournament starts. I don't know if it was obvious to you from the previews or from the scene with Morgana that Uther would be fighting. Yes, it was. I saw it in one of the scenes. Right. I knew that he would be fighting. I just love the shock that Morgana is the one starting the tournament. I know. Ugh. And then Arthur walks up and Arthur is uh not happy. Not happy is accurate. Yeah, and we get into like a series of really good fights because Uther, it's a really good fight against the guy with the mace. Arthur gets the guy with two swords who's all fancy and he just, they did a comedy one where he just punches him in the face. I love this. Love it. Love it. I love it too. I'm I'm happy to mix them. It's fun to get a mix of like really hardcore fights and then just because, you know, that's a lot of, this was a lot of stunt fighting. This was just a lot of choreo. So good. The choreo is so amazing. I'm always impressed because when I, when I watch the scenes, they are really going for it. Like it looks like they're putting all their strength into the sword blows. Yeah, the, the stunt guys are amazing. And that's the beauty of Arthur and Uther wearing helmets is that the stunt guys can get in there. Yeah. But later on, when Bradley fights without his helmet on, wow. <laughs> Just wow. Yes. Really, really good. Yeah, he's terrific at it. I mean, I they talk about it constantly in commentaries and behind the scenes because you cannot explain that enough. As, you know, someone who's running a show, when someone has to play a character like Arthur to get an actor who's capable of as many things as Bradley James is capable of, he's got a lot of skills. Yes, I agree. It's one thing that I would love to learn if I was an actor. I would actually try to take classes and actually learn the craft so I would be able to do it better when I was on set. But yeah, not every actor is good or wants to learn. If you just have, if you just prefer to have a double, they will give you a double. Yeah, it's not necessarily something you're going to take the time to do, but also it's just really hard to 
act while you're sword fighting. This is why that sword fight that Bradley James and Anthony had had a while ago was so amazing because the choreo was amazing and they had a lot of emotion going on while they were doing it. Not easy. I don't know if that was the time, but there's definitely a story in an interview that I saw that Bradley James whacked Anthony Head in the head with a sword because <gasps> he was supposed to duck. Oh my God. And I think he full body swung around with the sword. So he realized he hit him and he was, he had his back to him and he panicked and froze. And then he heard Anthony Head giggling behind him. <laughs> oh my God. I would freeze too. Can you imagine how mortified? Totally. You would be after you realized that you just whacked Anthony Head in the head with a sword. Awful. Awful. Terrified. So scared that you hurt him. And they use, when they're doing those stunts, they use like an aluminum type metal sword. So you're not going to die, but you could hurt. I mean, like you can get a paper cut and be really hurt. It's not like you're going to have your head cut off, but you can get hurt for real. Yeah, you can get hurt for real in the sense that you'd have to miss a few days of shooting and that would be a problem for production. So they try to not have you hurt. Also, it would be really nice to not hurt your colleagues. <laughs> um, yes, also that. We're aiming for no injuries. But yeah, there's it's one great stunt after another in this. And the punch and then the bad guy. I feel like the whole episode, I didn't realize his name was Nolar until I read the credits and i was like Look, someone say his name <laughs> honestly no nobody said it because i paid attention i'm like okay we're gonna we're gonna hear their names right we're gonna hear their names right no no n- nobody said their names i'm glad that i didn't miss it but so our bad guy has his fight and this is how you know you emphasize that he's the bad guy he kills his opponent What's interesting about the tournament is that you don't have to kill them. You just have to win, you know, get the upper hand where they can't get out and you win. Not great. The whole crowd is shocked. So making the point that he's a murderer, we don't like him, remember? (laughs) Listen, he already threatened Merlin. We're good. We all hate him. We're on the same page. We were before, but now we're really, really on the same page. Yeah. And then Gil fights a really scary dude and uses his magic and he gets that cut See, at this point, that's, I think, when Merlin's like, wait a minute, I'm suspicious. And I love how Gaius and Merlin run up to him. They're like, hey, you need help? <laughs> Gaius is super sneaky. He really is. But when when Gil walks away, Gaius says, you know, the, the ring has a mark of the old religion. Right. So I think you can probably tell that he's going to go heal himself at this point. Because, like, why would you refuse medical attention? actually didn't think anything of it. Oh, really? I just thought that he was going home, which he should have done, FYI. Like home home? No, like to the hotel. He should have, because what he does is he goes into the castle, goes into the armory, and then sneaks into a hallway. Here's the thing I have about the guards. They run towards him when they see magic. Why was he allowed in there in the first place? Yeah, look... Every time someone from this tournament is roaming around the castle, I'm like, this is incorrect. No, you shouldn't be. This is wrong. Why are you in there? Why are you allowed in the castle? What's going on? I love how the guards have been, you know, they know well enough that if they see a bright light and they think it's magic, they should try to like go after the person because Uther is going to flip out. Yeah, it's, I think, standard procedure inside the castle of Camelot. Yeah. See something, see something. (laughs) They should have billboards around. Yeah, there's probably a program about see something, say something. (laughs) Be a snitch, turn in your fellow Camelot citizens for any witchcraft. What drives me really crazy, I don't know if if you even noticed this, I'm sure you did. Uther, Gaius, and Merlin are then in the hallway investigating, right? Basically, Gaius is just like telling a whole layer of lies to stop Uther from thinking it's magic. I just want to know... What everyone else was doing that no one noticed a ring on the floor of an entirely empty hallway. It's not like it fell under a thing. (laughs) It's like a blank hallway. And the ring isn't small either. Yeah. And it's not like it was in a corner. It was in the middle. It was just like there. (laughs) Like you probably, you would have stepped on it probably. And be like, oh, what is this? Aha! It's magic. The guards came through. Uther's there. And I'm like, no one... Guys is the only one who saw that. But guys, sweet to cover up at least, you know. 
He is. He is. I really appreciated that. Because Uther loses his mind for one second. He's like, I know what it is. It's magic. <laughs> Find the person. And guys is like, please, calm down. It's like, oh, that's a drain. Oh, the tavern makes a special... Like, he's just pulling lies out of his ass. Seriously. Got a whole bag of lies today. I was like, hey, where has this guy been this whole time? Right? He's like zero help to Merlin. Like, Merlin's at the tavern getting drunk all day. Guys, we could have used you before. Do you know that? Many situations we could have used that, Gaius. Yeah. Why are you all of a sudden such a great liar? Anyway... You know, we have this whole exchange between Gaius and Merlin. You have to go talk to him before it's too late just to get Merlin over there. <laughs> just just FYI, I love this whole, like, spell explanation from Gaius. It's basically just fire. You put fire on your wound to heal. That's it. You don't have to explain the spell like it's something like, wow, how incredible. It's the equivalent of any movie where someone's poured gunpowder on their wound and then set it on fire, right? Yes! <laughs> I'm like, yes, I understand how this works. It's just magical light that works just like fire. He could have just lit a fire and it would have been okay. Or you could have let the court physician treat you. <laughs> I don't know. So people wouldn't be suspicious of you? Yes, you could have. I actually wonder about that. Is the point of that... Maybe we're reading too much into it. And there is no point. Let's be honest. The point was, what can you be doing to get caught, right? But I wonder if what it says is that Gilly is out at the point where, like, he's just relying on magic. He's just going to use it for everything. Yeah, I also think that, for example, if you get treated by the court physician, he might be able to stitch you up. But it's still there's still going to be pain. You're not going to be able to defend yourself as well. And the magic would take everything away. You would have a scar, but you would be good as new, which is not what the court physician would do. This is true. We do get the first real conversation between Gilly and Merlin. Again, this is like the setup to the, the next version of them, right? Do you get a vibe from Merlin in this scene where he's like all of a sudden, I don't know, older, in charge? He had this very energy of being like top dog in the situation. Yes! Why are you like, just like swag? going into the room you got nothing to fear from me like the way he talked it was very different it was like a new version of merlin and just like pulling the ring out he's like look i have this do you want it do you want it back talk to me yeah he was very in charge and i was like this is new i like it yeah come on i mean because there is a lot in this episode about merlin and you know where he fits in in the scheme of things yes and like you said i this episode it's showing us how Merlin grew up and how he's dealing differently with situations. Even the dragon, even when the dragon, when he comes back, it's like, hey, you got to do something about your attitude here. He is trying. He is. He's trying to be like, I'm going to have a conversation and put my foot down. <laughs> You're going to get killed. So don't do it. But it's nice that he, Gilly says, without magic, I'm a nobody. And it's nice that Merlin reassures him that he's a special person that he he is a he's still good and he's still a special person even though he shouldn't use magic yeah we do also get the backstory what's driving this character that his father refused to use magic because he was afraid of uther yes and of course died because he didn't defend himself like of course <laughs> like again who do you think is responsible for this ding 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 uther uther so back to the tournament, Uther wins another fight, Arthur wins another fight. This is the one where like Bradley James just depressed the shit out of me with his fighting skills. We get the, the exposition, oh, we're fighting off in the semis. Because of course the semis would have to be Arthur and Uther so that the finale could be Gilly and whichever one of them wins, right? Wrong. That's the part that I'm like, no. If the king and the prince are fighting, you put them in separate groups that would probably make it to the final. So they both of them are in the final. What? What? Oh, is this your frustration with planning? This is like, yes. It happens in the World Cup too, though. Those years where you get like, I'm not going to name a team because I don't want anyone to feel bad that a team is not one of the superpowers of, of football. But, you know, 
This is not a democracy. This is a monarchy. The king and the prince should be together in the final. Or at least, if they make it, if they don't make it, then it's your own fault. But what? I mean, I understand that because of the story, this is the way that it has to happen. But I'm like, come on. Well, that's what I mean. It has to happen this way because of the story. This is why it's interesting to have these competing storylines, right? Because if it weren't for Gilly, of course, the storyline would be Arthur and Uther face off in the final. Yes. And if it weren't for the Uther storyline with Morgana, of course, it would be Arthur and Gilly face off. So that's why it's interesting to have these competing storylines happening. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. And obviously, I understand why they did the way that they did. It just bothers me because I'm like, you put them in wrong groups and they never made it to the final together. And that bothers me. Yeah. Well, you know, it bothers everyone when it happens in the World Cup, too. <laughs> it is true. Uh, I just have Morgana continues, which means a lot of things. <laughs> she just keeps going. She's like the Energizer Bunny of awful. <laughs> just. I just, she irritates me so much. I feel like that's what you're supposed to be feeling. <laughs> yes, thank you, Katie McGrath, for irritating the shit out of me throughout most of the episodes now. Yeah, by the way, if this is unclear to anyone, which I think we've explained, this is in praise of Katie McGrath. We used to like Morgana, now we don't. That's, that's a testament to her acting. Exactly. Please don't mix up the actor with the character. That's not what we're doing here. I mean, we also aren't those people who like think the characters are real. <laughs> that is true, but we don't hate on one, hating on the other also. Yeah, no, they're not the same thing. I don't no. think that Colin Morgan is Merlin and I don't <laughs> think Bradley James is Arthur. I think they probably have distinctively different personalities than the people they play on TV. Yes, I I would hope so. Or else you wouldn't be an actor. You'd just be a documentary. <laughs> so Gilly fights the bad guy, which like this is interesting because there's so many of these things going on that this comes now. Yeah. Like, you would think the bad guy would make it to the end, and it would be, if it weren't for the Uther storyline, it would be Gilly and the bad guy at the end, probably. Or Arthur and the bad guy. Something. Some combination of that. It's funny, because this, in this episode, the bad guy is not really after Arthur and Uther. Or he is, but what it seems to us is that he's after Gilly. He wants really, what he really wants to do is kill Gilly. This is why the story structure is so interesting in this episode, because he's the bad guy, but the problem is Gilly. Yes. And Gilly isn't bad, just misguided. So the, the third act is really about, like, shifting someone's perspectives versus fighting the bad guy. <laughs> and that makes it a very interesting episode. Mm -hmm. it, there's just so many... There's just so many roads that you can follow on this episode, and it all comes together. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that what we were saying in the beginning is that it's bad. It's just like it does feel incongruent with other episodes, but it is there is something nice about that. I think it's a good thing that it's not like every other Merlin episode. <laughs> I agree. Because there's a few there if you look at the regular Merlin episode, they take a few unexpected turns on this one, and that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. So, Gilly First of all, the bad guy's sidekick is like, they're cheating. They're like holding him down. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> Anybody? I'm like, well, I mean, there are no rules, but you can't be an spectator and just participate in the fight. You have to be enrolled for this tournament. Yeah. Like, excuse me. This isn't like a tag team match. You're a spectator. The innkeeper even told us only people who are officially enrolled in this tournament can stay in my inn. So there are some rules here. There are some rules in Camelot. What I want to know is if you were shocked that Gilly, this sweet character we have, not only kills this guy, but like basically stabs him in the back. I really didn't think he was going to kill the guy. I do think it's shocking. It is. Yeah. And he's shocked. Yes. Even, even he didn't expect, really. Yeah. The next scene is him and Merlin talking about it. And he says, this is not who I am. I've never killed anyone before. He's so shocked that when Mar Merlin says... You need to withdraw. He says yes. Yeah, he says, I just wanted to feel respected. I didn't want to kill anyone. Yeah, that's the problem is that he shows up to the inn next and everyone's celebrating him and giving him 
what people think the idea of respect might have been back then, like buying you beer and like listening to you talk. Yeah. Or for him, I feel like anything other than I'm going to rob you or I'm going to, like he even says, kick dirt on your face would seem like respect. Mm hmm. Because he's been treated, he says that he's been treated very badly by other people. So any amount of good, quote unquote, good treatment would feel like respect to him. Yeah. It's funny because it's like a false ending. But I think it's clear that he's probably not going to leave now. Yes. Merlin's like, I did it. We're done. Now I just have to make sure Arthur does the right thing. But you can see it in Gilly's face, which is, Harry's very good at it. You can see him like changing him like, oh, I kind of like this and I'm not really ready to let it go. That feeling of being someone, in quotes, someone, is what he's been chasing. So now all of a sudden it's there. So he's not really going to be motivated to leave anymore, even though what just happened is very shocking. Yes. But Merlin, thinking he's all done with this problem, is now in Arthur's room, basically dealing with Arthur, who's being very sweet and is just asking advice again. For the upteen time, I will say, Merlin is not just a servant. He is his top advisor. Like, we're all clear on that, right? Yes. Yes, we are. He's the one person. He doesn't even go to Gwen for advice. He's the one person he asks. Not Morgana, not Gwen, nobody. Just Merlin. Merlin is very simple with the advice. You have to let him win. You have to let Uther win. Which Arthur doesn't like very much, and he says... Do you have any idea what it's like to live with a man who constantly thinks he's the best? <laughs> Must be irritating. <laughs> yeah, the, the blocking of the scene is genius because the way it happens is that as Bradley is saying that he's walking around yep, yep. Colin and by the time Colin delivers the hmm, must be irritating. Bradley is behind him in the background out of focus, but you can see him looking at him. The of the eyes, yes. I literally have every single word that you just said, I have on my notes. I have the lines, the blocking, and even out of focus, you can see his face being like, wait a minute. Was that a jab at me? It's like, Arthur, it's always a jab at you. You can see his eyes squinting and he like kind of turns his head and then he does a double take and looks at Merlin again. And because, and Colin plays it perfectly because he can't see him. He just says it, you know, he just threw out the sass very and keep, simply. And, and keeps doing his work. He like doesn't care. He's like, I said what I said and I'm over it. <laughs> He's going to keep working. Said what exactly said what I said. I love the blocking of that. I know. I wonder if people like hate us when we do this stuff. <laughs> people are listening though, so hey, thanks for listening to us. This is the stuff that I love about really getting into the nitty gritty of a production and a show and like the decisions the director makes because this director made this decision. This didn't just happen. You blocked it. You chose to have or sometimes yes, sometimes happy accidents happen. And you get a shot that you love that you didn't really mean to do that way. But it's probably a purposeful choice that Bradley's kind of out of focus. <laughs> I would think the DP knows what lens he has on and what the focal point is. And they would know the depth of field. So they know Bradley's out of focus. They're watching the dailies. Like, it's not a mistake. <laughs> no, it's not a mistake. And I didn't really see the brilliant how brilliant this scene is because when Bradley gets up from his chair and walking starts delivering his line I just thought that the conversation was going to keep going that Merlin was going to turn around and they were going to keep talking and then when this happens I'm like oh that's genius it's so good it's so good this is these moments really make a tv show great Someone on Instagram asked me, you know, why is this show special? Shows become special because of small things. Like a show is great because it has great writing, great acting. Like you can't be great without that stuff. Like you can't, you know, there's the necessities. But then there's like special little things that really get, when you get into it, happen. And they're kind of tiny things that add up. Yes. So I don't know. I just love this so much. 
I, like I said, I do too. I have lots of notes on this one tiny scene. It's like a one tiny scene, but I'm like, geez, this this whole thing. <laughs> I have to say that props to Bradley also, because he probably knew that he was out of focus, but you don't deliver any less because you're not on focus. You just go a hundred percent all the time. It doesn't matter if you're tiny, tiny person in the background that is obviously part of the main cast. But yes, your reaction matters. You are still part of the scene and you have to be in the scene 100%, even if you might be just a tiny bit off camera or just a tiny bit off, um, just in the blur in the background. So, yeah. Well, his reaction makes the scene. So it's like, really, I would guess the director told him, like, I need you to react big in the background. (laughs) I need you to notice he said that. (laughs) So great. So great. I love it. I love it so much. So the semis are here. Morgana is like super happy. She's like giddy. (laughs) It's unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. Again, you want to temper your reactions in public? Because the first time Uther wins this fight, she's almost like disappointed. And she's like, oh, oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm supposed to be happy. (laughs) Just forgot for a second. Yeah, she did. She slipped up. Not Katie. Morgana. (laughs) Morgana slipped up. It was really funny on Katie's part. We get this really interesting thing I kind of need to get into. Uther gives a lot of lip to Arthur, like a lot. And he says, when I was your age, I conquered Camelot. I didn't inherit this kingdom. I won it. Wait, what? It might have been kind of hinted at in the past, but it's really never been said. And then I'm like, oh, so this isn't your kingdom as much as you won it. (laughs) Also, what happened to all that talk of like Camelot's never been breached? Clearly it has. So I'm very confused because of all all of what you just said. When he said that, I was like, wait, say that again? I'm fine with with Uther having won it. That's not even the problem. It's really the continuity of, oh, Camelot's never been breached. How many times has Senred said that? (laughs) Lots of times, which in the past made me think that Camelot has been with the Pendragon family for generations. I mean, it's not even out of continuity with other Arthurian tales, like Uther conquering things is not, or taking over from another king. I've heard that one before, but it really is annoying just because I'm like, I really always felt like Camelot's been ours forever because uh, it's never been breached. So how could it have been breached by me? <laughs> yes, I was bothered by that also. Okay, well, not just me. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I thought that we had this since always on the note of Uther's personality he's basically taunting Arthur I thought you said you were ready you're not ready listen and he pisses him off to the point where Arthur fights back even though he was gonna let him win because who wouldn't Ugh, so annoying it's like your father why does he have to say horrible shit like that I'm gonna give it up to Anthony Head because I feel like he's really playing Uther's insecurity you know he's getting old he's afraid he's he's also afraid to lose to Arthur and look like a, f- not like a fool, but just look weak in the eyes of everybody that's watching. Because if you're losing to your son, then your son should be king. Exactly. But here's where it really gets great. Because they fight, Uther falls, the music gets epic. Oh my god. And we get this moment, it's like they're just focusing in on Bradley's face. All I can think of with the music and the close-up and the moment is King Arthur. Yes. And he lets Uther win, there's tears, and like literally the King Arthur moment, though, made me teary-eyed. That music gets to me. I can't. It's beautiful. You can see it in his face for the first time, I think, the recognition that his father is getting old. And that he is going to have to step and be on the throne, and that he is going to be king at some point. And I think that that's amazing and a little scary also for him. It's scary sometimes when we see like our parents getting old and so it's hard and i i felt that was it for him in the middle of that fight which was really hard bradley played that so well because just a close-up of you nothing nothing was happening in front of him it was just a close-up like probably there was nothing going on except the camera crew because you wouldn't set up the fight to do a close-up it was so moving he was he did it so beautifully and the music was just so great that i loved it and i did get very teary-eyed and I'm excited because it was very 
because like this is the end of season three and he's still not king <laughs> yeah look i thought that we were gonna get there earlier when we finished fifth season two i thought that this is gonna be it maybe mid season three i don't know i'm interested in what's gonna happen next you think it's a season finale oh my god i don't know because i kind of don't want to see anthony head go it's very bittersweet but i don't know how they would do this if it's not either the season finale or the season finale <laughs> i don't see any other way that you can yeah it's either the season finale of season three or he has to hang hang out for another whole season <laughs> You think the only time Uther can die if he dies is the season finale? I don't know how they would do that in the middle of a season. I mean, I understand. And just continue like, like we're gonna just going to go on with our lives now. I'm like, how? No, I mean, I get it. It's a totally like it would be traditional writing to do that. So, of course, that's what would happen. You're not going to kill one of your major characters in a random episode. <laughs> It'd have to be a pretty big episode. Yes. I don't know. Just a thought. He doesn't die here because uh, Arthur doesn't kill him. <laughs> and Gilly's in his last fight. He might be Uther's next opponent. Of course, we know he's going to be. But again, he does it again. He really goes after. I thought he killed the guy. It wasn't until later that Merlin said, don't you want to know how your opponent's doing? That I was like, didn't he slash his throat open? <laughs> in my notes right here at this point of the show, at this point of the episode, I have Gilly kills another one because yeah. To me, it was 100% sure that the guy was dead. I wrote, he's obviously killing someone again. Yikes. Back home, we get that moment first before Merlin goes to see him where he stalls Gaius, right? Because Gaius was like, we have to warn the king. And I was like, no, we don't. Gaius must know what he's saying. He's going to sentence this kid to death. Yes, what good is that going to do? None. And as we see later, Merlin can protect Uther. It's fine. It's fine. It is fine. Merlin takes one last shot and goes to see Gil at the inn. And he's there enjoying his power moment and like explaining how he fought the guy because everyone's wondering why he flew back like that. I, I roll. I roll, exactly. And this is when Merlin's like, don't you want to know how your opponent's doing? And I was like, wait, he's alive. <laughs> yes. I was like, wait, what? But this is also the reveal because he shuts the door and you must know he's about to do magic because Merlin has avoided at this point letting him know he is magical because it's not safe to just tell randos. And I love that he whispers in his hand and he holds it out. And of and course, what? it's fire. What else could it be? What else would it be on the show? It of course, so it's fire. <laughs> it's so dumb because I'm so happy about this spell. And I'm like, I'm way too happy anytime that fire is on the screen right now. It's not okay. I don't think it's normal anymore. It's not normal, but it's so funny because we've gotten so into like the depths of the decisions that are made on the show that I never even noticed that when I used to watch a show before the podcast. But now that we've just, guys, watching a show and watching it a lot, even those of you think like, I'm obsessed with Merlin watching it and then having to sit there and write notes about it and produce a podcast about it. You know, if you're me, like you're writing copy and you're on the internet researching memes When you're this deep, it's a different level of watching a TV show. It really is. That even I've never approached. It really is. So yeah, of course we're excited. It's fire. Come on. Pretty soon fire is going to replace magic as our centerpiece on the bingo board. Oh my God, that would be great. But yes, I was way too happy about this. Way too happy. I was so excited. Fire is in all caps. It's a tiny little CGI fire, but it was so cute. I was like, of course, your go-to option is to show you. So great. So great. And we get a lot of insight into Merlin here that we haven't gotten out loud. Yeah. It's lonely to be more powerful than any man you know and have to live like a shadow to be special and have to pretend you're a fool. And it's kind of heartbreaking. It's so I love this scene. Mainly because they're both so good. There's so much emotion. Yeah. They're amazing. They're both fighting back their tears. The delivery is great. The writing is great. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I think this is my favorite scene. It's a brilliant scene. It's great. And they're both such talented actors that of course it's great. 
And I love that speech so much. It's, it actually breaks my heart, though, because that's what's underlying every scene of Merlin now for me. Yeah. <laughs> every time he's in it, that's how he feels. And it's sad that he should feel that way. And he like he knows. It's also a confirmation, though, for me that he knows he's more powerful than anyone around him. Even Gilly. Even Morgana. Gaia's even said that to Merlin because he asks Gaia's earlier in the episode, is he like me? He's like, no, not really like you. Like, no one is really like you. But yes, yeah, it's pretty powerful because you have to be to wear that ring. Right. I think that's interesting because Merlin is really having to start to accept that not, he has it worse than Gilly. I'm not just magical. I'm more magical than all of you. And I have this huge destiny. And I'm in the situation that's much, much harder to navigate. I think part of what makes Merlin special throughout this whole episode that we're seeing really a lot into him is not only that he's more powerful magically, it takes a lot more character and integrity to make the decisions he makes in the situations he's in. He has to constantly hold back. It would be so easy for him to just get everything he wants. He could kill Uther so easily. He could take over all of Camelot. It wouldn't be a thing. Or he could just retreat into the woods and just live out without anyone. But what good would that do? Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage to go and have to live inside of the castle by the king that hates all of people that are like you and still be able to do your job and go about with your day. And just live. Yeah, his normal moments are brave. And then you take the fact that he has to make constantly hard decisions that affect the whole kingdom without anyone ever knowing. He's like, you want to know what it's like to save the world constantly and have nobody know, kid? <laughs> but it's funny because Gil kind of pushes back. And I feel like Merlin's questioning himself for a second. I even questioned it for a second. Is he wrong to keep doing this i don't know i feel badly that he questions himself because i'm like poor guy yes because gilly says that now he just believes what he's saying because he's been in it for so long that he forgot he forgot the real purpose or the real objective here and that's sad it definitely gets to merlin because he calls the dragon <laughs> to plant that little seed in your head that says maybe everything that I've been doing so far is just wrong. I know, poor guy. He's just laying in bed awake. That's what you need in another night. <laughs> and he calls on Kilgara, and Kilgara arrives and without missing a beat says, I was beginning to hope you'd forgotten about me. And I said, you giant bitch. I love it. <laughs> and I mean that with a lot of affection. <laughs> I mean that with like a metric ton of affection. I mean bitch in like the good way of like you giant bitch. Like I love my favorite quality of the dragon is that he's a huge bitch. I love it. I'm like, that was a great entrance line. Thank you very much. Yeah. And he he gives some kind of a dressing down for like what you did last time really was not cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. You wish to talk, but you don't wish to listen. Oof, That's a big one. That's a big line. That is not only Merlin, but most of us. <laughs> it's most people. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, but he, Kilgara leaves a choice on Merlin. He's like, look, I can't really help you. It's a shitty decision you have to make. He does kind of give him one important piece of advice. Like, if you let Uther get killed by someone magical, Arthur will turn against magic even more. Yes, because he says it will harden Arthur's mind forever. And then... The destiny they're they're all kind of working together or they're both working together to achieve is not going to be there. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm glad he showed up this episode, actually. It's a packed episode. Hooray! The uh, next morning, we find out that Arthur has somehow made Uther worse now by letting him win. Uther, he says, even you could beat him. Like, he's just a boy. Even you could beat him. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I thought he was the best warrior in Camelot. Shut up. First of all, how is it possible for you to get worse? Arthur did say this was going to happen. <laughs> he did warn us. I just didn't believe him. Second of all, it doesn't matter that he's a boy. He's in the finals. He killed a dude. We thought two, but apparently just one. 
Well, and almost mortally wounded the other one. Injured the other. <sighs> anyway, we have the Uther versus Gil fight. And it becomes a Merlin versus Gil versus Uther fight, which I think is pretty cool. I can just out magic you, buddy. <laughs> because also, you must think that Gil is surprised because Gil needs, I think he's got the power to wield the ring, but he can't do it without the ring. So I don't, that doesn't scream a lot of power to me. And Merlin's just like, look, this is nothing for me. <laughs> I've done this countless times now. It's okay. This is child's play, all right? It's a pretty interesting fight because Gil's fighting Merlin and Uther, but Uther actually shows like a moment <laughs> of goodness because he's not going he's, he's to kill a boy. The thing is, what I think is so brilliant in this is that I think Merlin knows that Uther is not going to kill the person he's fighting against. So all that he's trying to do, he's using very basic magic to just mess up Gil's game just enough so Uther can win and just let Gil walk out alive, which is the best outcome. Yeah. I mean, I feel sad for Gil when he leaves the tournament arena and he's all sad. Colin Morgan is doing his usual brilliant stuff where he's like teary-eyed while looking at nothing. <laughs> Because you know he wasn't looking at anything. Also, I have a problem with all of this. This end of this tournament. Yeah? Yes. Because apparently this is a huge tournament. It happens just once every 10 years. The person who comes in second is not a fucking loser. <laughs> Wouldn't they have a feast and invite the person who is second place to sit down? They let people roam around in the castle when they were just fighting. And now the guy... Uther won, but the guy's second. It's all like in good spirits here, right? It's really weird that that there was no feast, which is funnier later because when they after the next scene, there's like the family dinner and it's like the table set up for a feast. I'm like, there's three of you and there's like food for 40 people. There's three people. Yes. I'm like, there's an entire pig on the table and there's three people to eat. It was so weird. I was like, what happened this episode? bizarre i thought that was bizarre because i was expecting a feast the thing is i was expecting a little bit at the end of this episode that they would do that so gil would feel that he would get respect even when he didn't win all the time he made it to the final he fought the king i mean how could you not have respect right but he like walks out be like oh, i'm just gonna like grab my little stuff and like go back home and nobody likes me anymore at least merlin goes to see him this is where Merlin takes his moral stance on magic. He says it's not for your vanity, okay? This is like with great power comes great responsibility. And it might sound cheesy, but it's true. He's very powerful. And there's using that to glorify himself wouldn't make him anything good. How are you helping? So it's interesting that they choose to have Gil realize that his dad wasn't scared of Uther, but was scared of what magic can do to you if you use it the wrong way. I love that they wrote it this way. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times it's just written, the person loses, gets even more angry, I'm going to go away, and then I'm going to come back and try again because I want to win. Mm -hmm. And this was not it. And I was happily surprised. Yeah, there's. it's funny because it's a lot of fighting in this episode, but there's no like big baddie. I mean, except for Morgana. But it's really the victory is a moral one. Merlin has a moral victory. And again, I think this just, I might be wrong, but it seems to me like at this point, this just goes to set up the future, right? This is like an episode where we're, we're, we're taking stances on where people are because everything's about to go forward. You can't help but feel like this is the moment before everything's going to shift. And kind of sets up for Merlin to have at least one person that he can work with him, I would, I feel at the end of this episode. It's like, hey, when magic is okay again, I know that you will use magic for the right purpose. Yeah. And we are going to meet again. That's nice. It is nice. This is the problem, though. When it cuts to the table, it does a pan of the table. So you feel like a feast is about to start. And it's just Morgana, Uther, and Arthur having dinner. Morgana holding Uther's arm, I want to throw up. And Bradley James, his annoyed face, like... Arthur is just miserable. He looks 
miserable when they walk in. <laughs> this is the last place he wants to be. Were you surprised that Uther? Yes. Actually, like Morgana's Morgana's needling him. She's like, oh, you kicked his ass. You should teach him a couple things, all this stuff. And he's like, actually, Morgana, you're wrong. <laughs> Here's my note. Well, that backfires splendidly. It did. I'd love to see this kind of stuff backfire because you get this really sweet moment while Morgana is being this, you know, bitchy person in the background. <laughs> Not the good kind. Not the dragon kind of bitchy. The mean kind of bitchy. Uther's grateful and proud of Arthur. And the big line is, he I know by his actions, and now he's ready to be king. And it's like, oh my God. Oh my God is right. And because I was like, I have a big ugh at the beginning of this scene because he comes in with Morgana on his arm and he sounds like he's bragging about it. He says, mm -hmm. I thought that the boy was going to kill me, but then like I found my energy and I found my thing and then I won. I'm like, ugh, this is so exhausting. But it comes down at the end of the scene that he's really sweet. And he says, once you're king, I hope when you have children, I hope that they allow you to experience the same honor that I experienced today, which is lovely. It is. I love that Morgana looks so annoyed. And Merlin, they do a shot to Merlin, and he's just, there's a lot going on there, because he's not just proud of Arthur, he gave him the advice. <laughs> yes. This is Merlin's doing. I always talk about, yeah, Merlin saves his life a lot, but there's the influence he has on Arthur. He shapes him as a person, because this is the closest, outside of Uther, who's been shaping Arthur in not such great ways sometimes. Besides Uther, Merlin has the most effect on Arthur as a person. Yes. And then Gwen. Now Gwen has a really high up there level, but she's not near Arthur, like not even a hundredth of the time that Merlin is. Yes, that is true. So while Gwen is very important because he's in love with her, she's just not there. <laughs> she's just not around as much. It's not her fault. She just has a different role in the castle, so she's not around him. And right now, she, they can't be seen together at all. You know, they say that without realizing it, you become an amalgamation of the five people you spend the most time with. Because people do affect you. Energy affects you. And how people, the people you spend time with affect you. It's pretty normal. The people who shape him the most are his parent, his best friend, and the woman he's in love with. And this is like Arthur's sphere of people that really shape who he is. And ever, like, it's been three years of, four years, because one skipped. It's been four years of Merlin being there, being the voice of goodness in his life. He's a really good, morally centered person. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And after this scene and after this very lovely speech from Uther, I'm like, oh, you're going to die, aren't you? <laughs> I know. This is one of our better Uther moments. It's getting... Oh, God. You can kind of feel that it's getting close to something. <laughs> well, like that moment felt like a lot to me when, when Arthur was in that fight. I was like, ooh, that's King Arthur right there, that face. I just felt it. And also, uh, it's just like, it's almost like passing the baton mm -hmm. before everything happens, you know? And I'm like, yeah, all right. I see, I see it coming. I feel it coming. We'll see. No spoilers. And then Merlin goes home and we get what we want. <laughs> Dinner time with Gaius and Merlin. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. I'm proud of you. I don't deserve it. Okay. <laughs> Gaius, Gaius fucking with people is my favorite Gaius. When he fucks with Morgana or he yes. fucks with Merlin, which are two different tones. Gaius is like a low-key prankster where he just like likes messing with people. Takes his food away. <laughs> and smacks his hand when he tries to take it back. I'm like, oh he was, he's really not going to give him the food? I'm like, that's mean, Gaius. Richard Wilson, comedic genius. Everyone knows that already. It's been known for a long time, but my God, that scene worked so well. And then he just has another plate. Just, just waiting on the side. I also love the plates. I love the chicken with the piece of cheese with tomatoes still on the vine. <laughs> yes, yes. Also, that is, that's a very fancy dinner for them. Yeah. Because Gaia says, I'm proud of you, which is so sweet. Yeah. It's all grown up, kind of, now. This is like, I don't know, book four of Harry Potter. Time to be a grown-up. Oh, my God. Well, 
next week. What? These people are back. Okay. The Cup of Life is back. Tom Elliott's back. That's literally what my first thing says. The Cup of Life is back. Guys, it's the Holy Grail. It is the Holy Grail. Things get really bad. Sir Leon looks like he's in a lot of danger. Arthur looks like he got shot by an arrow. And uh, here we go. (laughs) It's a lot. Things are uh, speeding up. Season finale. Escalating quite quickly. (laughs) I love it. I'm like... Kind of sad because I read, I do think that Uther is going to die. But I would got to keep going, guys. It is what it is. I'm not going to say anything. I could never do the reverse of this podcast. I would actually, I would be dying. I need spoilers. So funny. I was watching a fashion reality show. And I was dying to see who won at the end. And I'm like, I can't believe that Sonia just goes and watches the last episode and then goes back and watches everything again. I don't usually watch the ending. I just Google what happened. Oh, the same thing. When I start a new season of Bake Off, I because I'm in the U.S. and we usually get them after they're over in the U.K., on Wikipedia, it shows you a chart of who got kicked off what week. Are you serious? <laughs> that just... Spoils the entire competition. No, then I can enjoy the competition and not get upset when my favorite person gets kicked off in like episode four, which is what happened when I watched it in real time this last season. And Mark was my favorite. and He got kicked off in like, I don't know, week five or six. And I was like, this is why I need the spoilers, because I'm really upset right now. Stop it. He was my favorite. Also, he's Northern Irish. So he says Baker. Becker. Becker. I could listen to that all day long. I love that accent so yes. much. I love when they say bagel instead of bagel. 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 I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know how you're waiting this long to find out how the show ends. So, <laughs> Just going one episode at a time. It's okay. Well, the next episode's going to suck because you're not going to know how it ends because uh, it's not one at a time. It's true. Terrible. It's actually pretty hard for me because I binge watched Merlin. It's hard for me to remember in two parters where the cutoff is. It's hard to know how part one finishes because it just goes into part two. And I'm like, where was the end of that one? All of a sudden, I'm shocked when the episode ends because I'm like, wait, that was the ending of this episode. (laughs) Wait, what? We'll see how this season ends and if Uther makes it through or not. We will. What are the bets? You think Uther's going to die? Oh, my God. After this speech... I think it's like, I'm going to say it's 75%. Okay. You think Uther's the only one at risk? I don't think Morgana's going to die because I think she's going to stay to haunt us. I hope Gaius doesn't die because then I'm going to be really upset because I'm kind of expecting Uther to die. It is what's going to happen. We've known this since the start of this show. At some point, things are going to change. I really don't want Gaius to die. I'm actually pretty proud of them because they didn't freaking spoil <laughs> i mean maybe because it happens more in the second part so they couldn't spoil it but they didn't really except for um tom ellis being there and Elian being back and the couple life you don't really know what the hell is happening no not really pretty great we'll find out soon i'll see you next time see ya